Well, thank you so much to all of those who are part of the worship service. For Laverne Reitelbaugh, who was our liturgist this morning for the beautiful piece of music by our faith ringers. Uh, for Gary Brubaker and our Wesley Choir and praise team who help with all of our music, thank you for all of the work that, you're, that you help with uh, for our worship services. So we are almost at the end of this series on Ordinary Saints, talking about those larger-than-life personalities um, and also those human beings, those who have made extraordinary differences as ordinary people. Um, so we've looked at Mr. Rogers, uh, Dolly Parton, Aretha Franklin, this morning John Wesley. Next week we'll uh, talk about All Saints Day and the people of Faith United Methodist Church. So as we, as we uh, have today, we'll talk about John Wesley. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. Well, if you have spent any time in the United Methodist Church, um, you have heard probably of John Wesley. Um, at least by name, and if not by name, you've been influenced by his theology, even if you didn't know that. Um, John Wesley's influence also extends far beyond the United Methodist Church. Uh, Wesleyan theology has helped to create many denominations, um, including the, the Church of the Nazarene, um, Salvation Army, um, and Pentecostal churches, among others. <clears throat> so, who is John Wesley? Um, I think that one of the things, you know, it's hard, as I said in the beginning of the service, it is so hard to boil John Wesley's theology down just to a short, um, to a sermon um, and, um, and all of the quotes and on all of who he was. So we're going to try today. And of course, there's so much more to learn and to know, just like there is about, some, uh, about all of the others that we've talked about. Um, <clears throat> but I think one of the things um, to talk about John Wesley to start with is um, as a human being, he was complicated and complex. Um, John Wesley um, was a very structured human being. Um, and I think that some of that comes from his upbringing. Uh, his parents were Susanna and Samuel Wesley. Um, Susanna and Samuel had 19 children. Yes, 19 children. Now, only nine children survived past infancy, um, but can you, oh, Susanna Wesley, there's a lot to say about Susanna. She is an amazing woman. <clears throat> uh, both Susanna and Samuel thought that education was very important. All of their children were taught to read. Uh, both the boys and the girls uh, were taught to read. They were taught how to learn Greek and Latin and memorizing scripture. Um, other parts of their day and their, their life were very structured, including like no snacks between meals, particular times of the day for particular times of things, um, which kind of carries on throughout John Wesley's life all over itself. <clears throat> now, Samuel Wesley was a priest in the Church of England, and um, <clears throat> Samuel and Susanna had, we'll call it a complicated relationship. Um, they're... Um, they, they stood um, on different sides politically. Um, Samuel Wesley was a royalist and um, Susanna Wesley was not. Um, and so they had many arguments. And in one particular argument, um, Samuel left for a year, um, just left. Um, and um, while they were separated, Susanna wrote this, this uh, letter to Samuel 
basically saying, you know what, we don't really need you. I'm doing just fine all by myself. I'm teaching the kids, I'm praying with the kids, and I'm instructing them in spiritual matters. What are you gonna do about it? Susanna, she was a spitfire. Um, that's not the first time she um, wrote a letter like that to Samuel. Um, another time she was teaching and preaching in their house, um, and Samuel was like, you need to stop that. Women shouldn't do that. And she went, I have more people at my house than you do in your church. What are you going to do about it? <clears throat> These are the people that John Wesley came from. This is his family. Now, um, it also, <clears throat> that was not the first time or the only time that Samuel and Susanna sp separated. Samuel had lots of financial difficulties um, and often... Um, they were separated. So this is the environment that John Wesley grew up in, he and his brothers and sisters. Uh, there were two fires throughout John Wesley's life. One in particular, when he was five, um, he talks about being saved in, some, in, in a sort of miraculous kind of way. Um, he said that he was um, like a brand plucked from the fire. Uh, so in their home, the, the staircase was on fire and he was in the second story. And just before the roof caved in, um, he was lifted out of the window by someone standing on top of someone else um, and saved. And the roof caved in just as he was, um, was being rescued. Uh, so this was another defining moment for him um, of his rescue and trust and faith in God. Um, <clears throat> So having a structured life um, from his very early age was something that was important. Um, John Wesley uh, woke up at four or five o'clock in the morning for private prayer, prayer um, and often spent at least two hours every day in prayer. Um, and he fasted two days a week uh, until mid-afternoon <clears throat> and met with others to study the Bible and other Christian writings and to hold each other accountable. There are a lot of other uh, ways that John Wesley had structure in his life. Everything from how he recorded his day um, to what he ate um, to how cold the temperature was of his bathing uh, and so forth. He was quite structured, um, which uh, you can see in a lot of areas. Um, so there, John Wesley started these holy clubs with his brother, Charles, Charles Wesley, who wrote many hymns. Um, and they started these holiness clubs. <clears throat> so as you talk about the structure that John Wesley came from, these holiness clubs had a lot of structure also. In fact, <clears throat> they were called, the, the term that was used for them, Methodists, was, um, was intended to be a derogatory term because everything had a method. There was a structure to how these holiness clubs gathered, what they did, um, and so it was, oh, look at those Methodists. And the groups were like, it's not wrong. So these holiness clubs um, had the structure of how they kept, um, kept one another accountable. Uh, John Wesley was an Anglican priest and... Um, Throughout his life, um, had lots of um, lots of challenges and struggles, um, especially within the church. He served a church unsuccessfully. Um, he moved to Savannah, Georgia, to evangelize, and um, that was unsuccessful. In fact, we're going to talk about a story from that in a little bit. Um, so, a lot of the ways that we might say John Wesley. Um, 
did ministry were not very successful until he kind of moved outside of those, uh, outside of the walls, literally. Um, John Wesley preached in fields outdoors. One of the things that he said is that we need to be more vile for the sake of the gospel, uh, meaning moving beyond the walls <clears throat> and into ordinary spaces, um, taking the sacred into the profane to be more vile for the sake of the gospel. I love that, right? Um, I, I'm, I want to be more vile for the sake of the gospel. <clears throat> so these Methodist movements that um, began to um, gain in popularity and in traction, uh, they weren't always liked or respected by others. Um, John Wesley sent people who were not ordained to preach, and he sent both men and women, which is significant. Um, <clears throat> they often um, challenged the Church of England, um, and uh, they wanted to really revive the Church of England. That's what John Wesley's goal was, was to revive the Church of England so that they would be uh, as faithful, more vile for the gospel, um, and faithful disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Um, they were also called uh, religious fanatics. So they just weren't looked upon as incredibly favorably, especially by other churches at the time, the Church of England in particular. <clears throat> and yet they continued to persevere and um, to work together. So there were 22 questions that were asked every day that were asked at the holiness clubs. And these questions were supposed to be asked of, of the participants, um, the members, every day. So here are the 22 questions um, to ask even yourself every day. One, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? That's number one. Anyway, um, am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? I never, ever, ever, ever exaggerate. Do I confidentially pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I am not as other people, especially as the Pharisees who despised the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? And is Christ real to me? Those are some really great questions. And can you imagine answering them every day and answering them honestly every day and answering them in front of a small group, in front of the, your holiness club, this, this Methodist group? 
<clears throat> there's lots of ways that John Wesley's work was deepening the work of discipleship. Now, with all of this, and even the work that John Wesley did in, in answering the questions for himself, you would think that he never had any questions or doubts, but that's not true. Um, following his unsuccessful trip to Georgia uh, and his shameful return, he lost his faith. Um, in fact, one of, the, one of the things that John Wesley said was, um, preach faith until you have it, and then because you preach faith, you'll have faith. Um, <clears throat> kind of a, a fake it till you make it. Preach faith until you have faith, and then because you have faith, you'll preach faith. Um, it wasn't until Aldersgate, um, the day called Aldersgate, that John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed, and he, um, he heard the opening to the book of Romans being read, and uh, he said this. <clears throat> he said, in the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the, the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This man who had been preaching faith until he had faith his whole life said for the first time, Jesus died for me, yes, even for me. <clears throat> John Wesley was complicated. Um, now, I think that we can talk about that with his relationship with women. Um, while in Georgia, uh, John Wesley fell in love with a woman. Her name was Sophie Hopke. The problem was John Wesley forgot to tell Sophie Hopkins how he felt. Um, and Sophie got married to someone else. And John Wesley said that her marriage um, seemed to indicate that she was not as faithful a disciple. And so he denied her communion. He was hurt um, <clears throat> and so denied communion. Um, that didn't go over very well. Uh, and so that's part of why he left in shame. Um, that wasn't the first time that he had complicated relationships with women. Um, he was married, um, and most records say he was married unhappily in 1751. Uh, he married uh, Mary Vizel. She was a widow. She had four children, um, and they had no children together. Um, by 19, seven, uh, 1758, she left him uh, because he was... Um, he was just so devoted to the Methodist movement. Um, her, uh, he called her Molly. Um, she left him, they left each other several times, but she left him finally in 1758, um, uh, never to see him again. In his journal, um, John Wesley wrote, I did not forsake her. I did not dismiss her. I will not recall her. So romantic. Um, complicated relationships. <clears throat> okay, let's move on from there. Uh, I, th I think, again, this just shows how complex and complicated he was. 
Some of the important parts of his theology and the theology of the Methodist groups were about social holiness. John Wesley said there is no holiness besides social holiness. Um, and so it was the combination of personal piety and social justice. So our personal devotion and the ways that we work for justice, we love mercy, um, uh, love justice, and walk humbly with God. So putting those two pieces together were important. Um, the early Methodists were against, uh, were uh, in the slavery, uh, in the slavery abolition movement. Um, they were working on prison reform. Um, John Wesley himself, among other Methodists, were against hard liquor, but beer was okay. Um, and uh, Methodists were also known against as a part of the temperance movement in the United States as well, part of this um, uh, this holiness social justice work. Um, in addition to the social justice work that they did within the community, um, John Wesley had women who preached. And this was really significant at the time. Sarah Crosby and Mary, uh, Mary Bosanquet, I think that's how you pronounce her name, um, in 1761, they were sent out to preach. Um, now, they were given very specific instructions on how to preach. And to be fair, John Wesley gave these very specific instructions to all of his preachers. Are you surprised? No. But so he sent them out with these very specific instructions and then started to have like second thoughts, like, ah, should I have sent the women out? And um, Mary and Sarah uh, wrote him a letter giving him all of the reasons why they should be allowed to continue to preach. And he agreed with them and um, their arguments and said, preach the gospel. Um, <clears throat> again, this is well before ordination of women was, um, was happening. In John Wesley's theology, there are so many pieces that are important, of course. Um, but one of the things that John Wesley talked about was going on to Christian perfection uh, that will be made perfect in God's love. And that may happen in this time, but it'll definitely happen in the life to come. Um, John Wesley would say that he didn't, he may have seen people who achieved Christian perfection in this time, but it didn't last. Um, so we relied on grace and God's love to make us perfect. Some of the general rules that John Wesley had about um, discipleship and, and what it meant to be a faithful disciple, um, you've probably heard these a million times. Um, the first is do no harm. The second is do good. And in the larger context, it's do all the good you can in all the ways you can as long as you ever can. Um, so do good. And then the third um, is attend to the ordinances of God. Um, in some more modern language, it's been called stay in love with God. So the three simple rules, as they've been called, um, they're not simple at all, are they? Uh, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. There, was, <clears throat> there is also a theological concept known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral, or a tool known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Now, this was developed by Albert Outler based on Wesleyan theology, but it, look, it, it looks as a quadrilateral. Um, so at any um, theological concept or any, um, any question or issue, you start with scripture. What does scripture have to say about this? Scripture is primary. What does scripture have to say? Then you also look at um, tradition. What does our Christian tradition have to say about this? Um, experience. What does my experience have to say about this? What does our experience as a community of faith have to say about this? And then reason, uh, putting all of those pieces together and thinking logically through something. 
Um, now, it may seem like that shouldn't be that earth-shattering, um, but um, some, some theological traditions are told you can't use reason or logic. You trust only scripture. Um, but we are looking at scripture first and including all of these pieces in our understanding of life, theology, and sometimes even scripture. Um, so it's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And no... Um, no uh, line of the quadrilateral is larger than the other. Um, so uh, it's not a square. It's, anyway, um, uh, scripture, reason, experience, and tradition. You can't talk about John Wesley and the people called Methodists without talking about grace. Um, grace is at the center of everything. And John Wesley talked about grace as prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. Justifying grace being the grace that was there forever and ever before and through infinity. That's always whispering, I'm right here whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready, I'm right here. And then there's justifying grace when we accept that grace and we accept that Jesus has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves and we work on our journey of sanctification. Um, so sanctifying grace is that journey that we make together with God. Uh, and there are times on that journey that we fall, that we move backwards, we're not always moving forward and we trust in the grace of God to pull us forward, sometimes push us into our better selves. John Wesley preached about grace. He taught about grace. Um, grace is at the center of a lot of our is, is at the center of our theology. But I think that his life also showed grace so spectacularly. When you think about his failures in ministry, um, his his complicated relationships with women and human beings in general, Sophie, grace his life showed what grace does and how God's love is given to us so freely. And when we fail and fall short of perfection, God continues to work with and call us. God never gives up on us. That's the beauty of grace. John Wesley's legacy is vast. Um, uh, it's, uh, it has said, been said that he rode 250,000 miles, gave away more than 30,000 pounds um, or $30,000, and preached more than 40,000 sermons. I was impressed with like Dolly Parton's 3,000, 40,000 sermons. Um, so preached, rode, um, shared with people. He formed societies, opened chapels, um, examined and commissioned preachers, administered charities, um, cared for the sick, visited those who were in prison, superintended orphanages and schools, John Wesley did so much throughout his life. There are many Methodist traditions, um, <clears throat> denominations like we mentioned earlier, um, and John Wesley's theology has influenced so many. So it is not um, a surprise to call John Wesley such an influential person, is it? Um, and maybe there's some things that you didn't know, and I know that there's so much that we haven't even talked about, but um, John Wesley was this huge influential person and also a person, a human being, complex and complicated. He was someone who lived his faith the best that he knew how, and that wasn't always perfect. He made mistakes um, and trusted in the grace of God. That was what his life was about, a life trusting and relying on the grace of God. On his deathbed, his last words were recorded, best of all, God is with us. 
Oh, if that could be my last words, best of all, God is with us. Acknowledging that the goodness and the presence of God who calls us into life together and in ministry together alongside God. Following the example of Jesus's life and trusting in his resurrection, leading us into forgiveness and mercy. Being led by the Holy Spirit to be in ministry with the world, to make the world better here and now and for the future. Grace, grace, grace. May we all be as bold and vile for the sake of the gospel. This gospel that has changed our lives. This grace that changes us daily. May we be so bold and vile for the sake of the gospel, like John Wesley. And best of all, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.